We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. This is Cheryl from Jajawarong Country. preparing to live stream the meeting and the meeting is being live streamed so welcome everyone thank you for listening into yet another podcast from the beyond 90 crew great to have you on board and hopefully listening into what was a big week in football not necessarily a massive week but a good size a decent size um let's start off with eric did you have any big news in your football week or in your week in general in my football week, I uh, I got as far as watching some futsal at um up at Dural with a friend of Beyond Ninety Kelly Lemon, as her daughter was playing. But that's about it, really. All right. I watched a, I yeah. watched a men's football game, but we don't talk about that here. So. Well, we don't have too much time to talk about men's football because there's so much women's football that's going on. Just off air, we were talking a little bit about basketball. Um, how was your week, Madge? Were you doing basketball, football, golf, whatever? You I was know, doing great golf weather. Yeah, I was doing golf as usual. Not great weather. It's like it's been threatening to storm all day. So it's the typical Brisbane muggy weather today. Um, but yeah, I've actually been doing a little bit of banner painting today, which might pop their heads up for some Matilda's games. So that's how I've been spending my weekend. Oh, that's super exciting. And also on the podcast today, we've got a very special guest with us, someone who's been part of the um, the Beyond 90 crew for forever. And also prior to that has always been part of the women's game crew, which is where we were kind of mostly born. But Lockie, thanks for joining us. College Matildas is is the big brand that you talk about, and you're going to talk to us about some tournament football in the US. Yeah, so I had a big week this week as it was um, conference championship week in college soccer or football. Uh, I, tend, I tend to say soccer because college football is generally the uh, the pointy ball sport. But um, it was conference championship week this week. We had a couple of Aussies uh, win some conferences. And, uh, next week will be NCAA tournament will be starting. So charge for national championship will begin. All right, fair enough. We'll we'll take a little moment before we jump into that, but I promise you we will dive in. Let's start off off with our usual history lesson. So we're up to CAP 69, which is not really fair to say that because we didn't really go through CAP 1 through 60-odd something, so I promise we will go back and talk about those. But CAP 69 is Sarah Cooper and probably a good thing to have Lockie on board to talk about this one as well. But a little bit of history about Sarah before we go too far She played 68 games for the Matildas. She was a defender and she also captained the team in 1996, originally from Scotland, as many of our good footballers are, including Colet McCallum, one of my favourites. Sarah relocated to the Northern Territory and then Victoria, which is another tick for her in my books anyway, and ultimately represented Australia at the 95 and 99 World Cups. And now she spends her time coaching in the US. Uh, Lockie, put you on the spot. How much do you know about that? Uh, well, I have to say that Div 3 soccer isn't my forte because there's not as many Aussies in it because it's not, no athletic scholarship, so it's kind of harder to get Aussies over there. But, uh, yeah, Sarah was the head coach at Clarkson, and I believe she's now head coach at Williams College. Oh, okay. She's made, made a change recently. And, um, yeah, so she's coaching Div NCAA Div 3. Uh, so it's very different to what we see in NCAA Div 1 because without athletic scholarships, it truly is student first, athlete second, but it's still, you still got to be very committed to both as a, um, a student athlete in Division 3. And is it something that you can watch fairly easily to watch that level of football or soccer over there? Um, in your spare time yeah. as you do? Yeah, in my spare time, as I do, Div 1, very easy. Uh, you can watch all kinds of teams. Um, as it goes down the levels, it gets a bit more difficult. Um, just budgets are uh, not as big for these schools. So, it's uh, yeah, it gets a little more difficult to find uh, to find teams that will actually stream all their games. 
Fair enough. All right. Well, on to the big news of the week. We did have, it feels like it was ages ago and it certainly feels like we knew most of the news for quite a while, but we didn't know the specifics. But a two-game series against number one ranked USA has been announced for them to play here in Australia, which is a massive piece of work and a great effort by Football Australia and the New South Wales government. It sort of poked um, a little bit of a dagger in my eye that we can't get any football outside of New South Wales, but we'll talk about that later. Um, The big news, obviously, is that we've got the game in Sydney, which is on the 27th of November, and I just picked up my tickets for that today. And then game two, which will be a massive game in Newcastle. Great venue. Hopefully, great crowds and likely to break the record at least for a two-game series but quite possibly for Eric I don't know how many people you've got coming to your birthday party but will they all be joining you at at game one I mean game game one is my birthday party so um yeah so uh the biggest birthday party I've ever had but seriously (laughs) um yeah I'm, I'm hoping obviously I feel like they've moved it to the Olympic Stadium in anticipation of a giant crowd. And we know, I believe Stefan is driving up from Canberra. So with his son, so, you know, obviously it's, and especially on a weekend and a pretty friendly time of 3 PM Saturday, I imagine there'd be quite a few people coming in from outside Sydney for this one. And no COVID restrictions either, or such small COVID restrictions that Um, in terms of people being able to turn up to the venue, if you're vaccinated, you'll get in and you could, really have a massive crowd yeah i'm not sure about the actual restrictions but i think you know given thankfully how good the vaccinations numbers have been in the country you should i mean i don't think that's going to be a barrier to a large crowd yeah fair enough now madge thoughts from you are you a queenslander through and through and and what does it do to your heart to see a match not in Queensland, Brisbane, somewhere, even though historically you've had quite a few games there? Well, we had them when no one else wanted them. <laughs> um, and um, so we were always the venue that um, that was putting them up before the Matildas were, I guess, the hot ticket in town. Um, I mean, look, I'm, I'm pragmatic about it, but I, you know, but I hate it. I can't get there for these games and it's devastating. Um, so, yeah, absolutely, personally devastated. But, I mean, I understand the politics of it. I understand that, you know, this is the the issue at the moment in our COVID world that we're gradually getting out of and and just happens to be really bad timing for us Um, and, and, you know, WA people as well. And um, I would just really, really hope that uh, FA has it on their agenda to really make the Matildas a national team for upcoming and other games. Uh, happening before the World Cup Um, because I mean when it's and I understand why the government I mean the New South Wales government is really uh, chuffed with their with their coup and but when you read the press release it's a bit like a a, it's uh, all about New South Wales and it's like New South Wales government's team and it's like oh calm down Um, the Matildas is a national team and I I would I would hope and expect that um, FA we'll be making it a priority to uh, get the team around the country in, in the next year. Yep. Um, Eric, I don't know any thoughts from you, but you're obviously in the lucky part of the lucky country in some respects, but it's no it's no fluke. There has been a concerted effort by the New South Wales government to work really closely together with Football Australia, and that accounts for maybe the last couple of years, particularly in terms of the COVID response. But yeah, any thoughts in a more general sense? Uh, it's a tricky one because, oh, well, James Johnson is a Queenslander and if he's like every other Queenslander I've ever met, he's not perpetuating a historical bias towards New South Wales unless he has literally no other option. But, yeah, and I think, uh, Cheryl, you uh, put some great numbers in our Slack about basically where um, the Matildas games have been held historically and I wish I hadn't closed it, but... Let me just, but basically, the thing that stood out to me is Sydney has held almost hosted almost as many Matildas games as Queensland and Victoria, Queensland and Victoria combined, and that yep. ain't right. Yep, and that and that's just Sydney itself. 
It's interesting that the yeah. day I chose to put together these numbers was actually the day that 100 games in Australia have been held that have been recorded on the ever-reliable Wikipedia that um, Lockie actually put me to. So if Lockie sent me there, it must be the good stuff, right? Oh. So New South Wales, <laughs> New South Wales of those 100 games has hosted 47 ACT has hosted 17, Queensland 16, Victoria 11. So 11% for Victoria, and I'm feeling really hard done by. But if we're talking hard done by, we could probably uh, not go too much further than having a look at uh, WA, which has only hosted one, which I think was the match against Thailand. Tasmania, none. Um, and South yep. Australia has hosted eight. So there is a bit of imbalance, but I wanted to just, I, I was really fortunate. I did get a, a response from Football Australia today just about my question in regards to, you know, why doesn't anyone love Victoria is not really what I wrote. But so the response that I got was venues had to be locked in and arrangements had to be made for Brazil to play and for the US to play. They needed to be locked in in June and July. June, July was probably, I don't know, Victoria and Melbourne were probably in lockdown four by that point. Um, and maybe things were much better at that point in Sydney as well. So it's not just that, hey, everyone's open now. Why can't they play anywhere that they want? Um, that was part of it. The other part, and I'll read it verbatim just to make sure that I'm not misquoting anything, but New South Wales was the only state who were prepared to make certain commitments around hosting matches with crowds and considering the bespoke quarantine management plan and arrangements which would enable games to be played and training to be held within the 14-day quarantine period inside a nine-day FIFA international window. So... It is complicated. It's not just as simple as saying, we'll fly them in, they'll be able to play and all of the above. There's quarantines, there's FIFA windows, so it is complex. Um, the third point is that New South Wales announced their bold reopening plans well ahead of any other state. Now, that may have been at risk given that, you know, who knows who was where at what point, but maybe they had their 80% COVID vaccination plan uh, well ahead of anyone anyone else. And the fourth thing, which is hopefully the most important and most interesting thing right now, is that Football Australia are having ongoing conversations with the other states around Matildas and Socceries con content for 2022. So that's the good bit and probably a really good bit to end on. But what we'll do is we'll include the stats that I pulled together just around how many games have been played where and let us know where you want the next game to be. You know, is it somewhere regional that's never made it there before and wouldn't it be great to see some games in places that we've not seen? Any final thoughts on that, Lockie, for your um, pointing me towards Wikipedia and forever, um, you know, maybe – maybe making yourself a little bit less trustworthy if Wikipedia is your true source. It is definitely not my true source, but I was also thinking that South Australia, they might have hosted eight Matildas games, but five of those would have been during the 2006 Asian Cup. So really, That's exactly they've, only had, what I was thinking. Yeah. they've only had three other One standalone event. games. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> which is, which, yeah, makes it a whole, look even a whole lot worse. Yep. And I think my point is that once, once the Matildas became a bit of a hot ticket, it was a bit of, I feel like um, old FFA were maybe shopping them around to whoever was, was kind of like willing and the governments that were really, and, and New South Wales government and, and, you know, hats off to them. They have been probably one of the state governments that have, um, have shown the greatest support to Football Australia and hosting, you know, both Socceroos and, and Matildas games. But I think uh, if, we, if this is truly the national team, um, FA need to make it their priority, make sure that the, the whole nation, like this isn't a, a parochial sort of state-by-state -state type sport that we see um, with some of the other codes and sports around the country. Um, they should be making it their priority to make sure that some of the games get spread around the country some more. Yep, agree. And I, I didn't actually put together any stats on the Socceroos versus the Matildas to see that if there was any um, gender balance or imbalance of where those matches have been played. But I won't let this lie. I will be back in contact with the um, Victorian state member for, I think he's the Minister for Sport, Major Events and blah, 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 something else. So I'll contact him again and see if we can't get a more detailed understanding of what's going on. Because for me, I, I think 
every almost every time I've seen the Matildas has been internationally. And we can't expect most of our fans to be able to go off to, you know, I've been to two World Cups, I've been to two Asian Cups. It's not that simple for people to jump around. So it's a great bonus for people who are based in New South Wales or more particularly sort of uh, Sydney and Newcastle because there's plenty of, New, uh, New South Wales is a great big place, right? So just because it's in that state doesn't mean it's accessible to everyone in New South Wales. But anyway, not really a rant, just a little bit of information that we or certainly I wanted to share around and, yeah, see what people's thoughts were. All right, let's go back to the run sheet and see what else we've got in there to talk about in football this time around. Eric, have there been some big signings in the dub that you wanted to talk about this week? Uh, yes, so the five that I can remember, and I did just have to consult our squads page, which was definitely updated after every signing and not done in a rush on Sunday. But um, so the, sorry, just going back because I put it in the article. Okay, so I think a signing that surprised me, surprised Stefan as well, Canberra getting a couple of NWSL players, Ali Haran and Chelsea Washington, both from Orlando Pride. So I'm looking forward to seeing those two. And I think further, Stefan may have said on the pod last week, I hope, one of the play those players is a defender. Well, Ali Halfran certainly is. And also Wellington uh, signing for interesting players that I've seen a fair bit of in NPL New South Wales. Uh, Brianna Edwards, uh, most recently of University University of Louisiana Monroe, and before that of Northern Tigers. Uh, sh- she's a goalkeeper. And cleverly also a dual national. So I like that um, in filling the Australian quota, they've actually kind of got another Kiwi. I think that's really smart. But also uh, Hannah Jones, formerly of uh, Newcastle Jets Academy, and this year played for Sydney University in NPL New South Wales, kind of a central midfielder to do the dirty work for you. I'm looking forward to seeing her play for Wellington. And also Jordan Jasnos, uh, experienced with the junior Matildas and, and with Football New South Wales Institute. She's uh, normally a winger, sometimes a fullback. So, yep, and I do believe they still have to sign two more Aussies, so we're waiting to see um, who fills out their squad, basically. Okay, cool. Well, we are getting pretty close, actually, to the W League or the AL dub starting. I think it's just under or just over a month away, so only maybe four or so more weeks starts very early. I think it's the third of... December the first match kicks off, which might be a Friday night, and that's a match between Wellington Phoenix and who? Quick, help me out. Western Sydney Wanderers in there you uh, go. Wollongong Stadium. Very good. Thank you for that. All right. Uh, we may as well move on and start talking about college football because this is where we can all sit here and take a bit of a back seat and we can see Lockie will take us through all the hard work. Oh, thanks, Shaz. Um yeah, so it has been uh, 12 weeks into the college season and uh, today the final conference championships which decide 31 of the NCAA tournament teams. Every conference champion gets an automatic bid to the national tournament. So those were all decided today or during the past week. Um, and we did have two Australians won their conference championships. So uh, congratulations to Grand Canyon University and Sandra Hill, who actually earned their first ever bid in school history to the NCAA tournament. And um, Sandra Hill is actually an interesting one. It's a bit tough to call her a college Matilda because she's played for the full Cambodian national team. So she's a um, dual citizen, Cambodia and Australia. And, uh, got selected for the community national team a couple of years ago for, I think um, either an Asian or an Asian cup qualifier. I'm not quite sure, Um, but um, they've been flying. Uh, So they only became eligible to play in the tournament in 2017 and they've been building since then and finally got over, over the top today. Um, Sandra's been coming off the bench mostly, um, she has been a starter in previous seasons. Uh, this is actually her senior year. And uh, so she's been playing about anywhere between 10 minutes to 40 minutes a game, depending on situations, what the coach had for breakfast, who knows. <laughs> and the other player who is um, 
someone I'm sure Eric is familiar with, Grace Watson Carr, uh, the goalkeeper at Hostra. Um, so she she's uh, the backup goalkeeper. So she actually hasn't hasn't played this season because they have a very good goalkeeper in Skylar Kuzmich, a local, and um, they won their conference for the fourth time in five seasons. Um, they had a bit of a form slump and missed out on the regular season league title, but came back and won the conference tournament. So they secured their spot as well. Uh, but moving on to some bigger schools that have definitely, almost certainly earned a spot. So there's 33 other spots still up for grabs. They'll be announced tomorrow. But for the most part, we already know who a lot of those teams are going to be because you know, maybe they finished second in a conference, third in a conference, but were very good throughout the season. So, of course, Stanford, Amy Sayer. I think she's probably uh, the most well-known of all the Aussies in college at the moment. And Stanford actually missed the tournament last season. They were the first defending national champions to miss the NCAA tournament last season. But they've come back and they're looking pretty good. They're not 100% in, but it would be... It would be very harsh if the committee left them out. They finished fourth in the Pac-12 and their only losses were to, in the whole season across conference and non-conference play, were to USC and UCLA, who are two top 10 teams who finished top two in the conference. And then their other two losses were to Duke and North Carolina, who are two more of the best teams in the nation, two absolute national powerhouses, of course, North Carolina, in excess of 20 titles. Um so to have only those four losses on your record and to win 15, 14 of your other 15 games is a very good season. And What's Amy, this reference that you make to the committee would, um, you know, how does that selection process work? Or is that a, a too big a question for right now? Because I don't know. That's, that's all right. So the committee is basically the people who select the 33 teams that didn't automatically qualify. And, they and it's not at, just a straight one, you know, pick the third rank there and the fourth rank there. No. It's So because there's so many teams and they don't all play each other, it's very hard to get a read on who's better than who. So they have a, a metric called the RPI, which is takes into account um, your winning percentage, your opponent's winning percentage, and then your opponent's opponent's winning percentage. So who they played and how good they were. And they all get mixed up and put together and but it's not just that they also take a look at um how good your rpi was in conference and non-conference play and then also how many good wins you had okay so good, a good win being defined as a, six, a team with a six team with a, or... no a team with a high rpi so beating a good another good team okay. so, i always feel smarter when i talk to Lockie. keep going <laughs> It sounds like they put more effort into that than they do their presidential elections and the electoral college. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Because you could, you could, if it was just based on RPI, you could go and play the 20 worst teams and automatically and win all of those. And you would have an RPI pretty, pretty good. Even before you take into account the other factors that are going to get added on top. So to avoid that, they have a lot of other metrics that they use to ensure that teams can't just load their schedule with easy beats. And te- you can actually get penalised in your RPI for playing too many bad teams. And do you have a spreadsheet which recalculates this RPI? I don't need one because Chris Henderson, um, his Twitter handle is, under- is Chris underscore AWK. He has his own website for it. He's... He's the man when it comes to college soccer. So back to Amy. She's started five consecutive games earlier in the season, but has been mostly coming off the bench this season. Um, She's tallied two goals and two assists, um, playing in a very good team. Uh, And Stanford, I think they'll... Stanford always want to win the national championship, but I think a realistic good season for them will be making the Sweet 16 or the quarterfinals. Um, they're not, you know, the team that had Tiana Davidson and Katarina Macario and Jordan DiBiase, Tegan McGrady that, you know, had six NWSL players a couple of seasons ago, but they're younger and they're on the way up. Okay. 
But one of the more interesting teams is the team with two Aussies, both of whom were born in the United States. So USC, University of Southern California, a conference opponent of Amy and Stanford, finished second in the Pac-12. They lost to UCLA on the final day of the Pac-12 season to UCLA, former school of Tegan Micah and Rachel Lowe. Um, And they lost that game and lost the title to UCLA in the process. Um, But they've got a top 15 RPI, so they're in. You don't even have to worry about waiting for the committee to make their announcement. Teams that finish top 15 in the RPI don't miss out on the NCAA tournament. So their two Aussies are Isabel Rolly, who I think is originally, she was born in the States. Her mother's Australian. She came out and um, played in Newcastle as a kid before moving back and was raised in Las Vegas. So she's been a backup defender for them. She's made 12 appearances this season, um, averaging about 35 minutes a game. And the second Aussie, who is a young Matildas camp call-up, Talia Grossman. So she got a call-up, uh, I think, last year or late 2019, it might have been, to the young to a young Matildas camp. Didn't get selected for a team. but So she's currently the backup to um, Anna Smith, who, like Hofstra, they have one goalkeeper who is one of the best in the nation. So Talia's patiently waiting her, waiting her turn next season. And um, look, they're, they're every chance to make a run to the final four, the College Cup. They could they could win the tournament. They're not the favourites, but they weren't the favourites in 2016 when former Brisbane Raw midfielder Lucinda Pullar won a national title at USC. And that was the first ever national title won by an Aussie. So, um, And then I guess there's two other teams... Um, staying on the Brisbane Raw theme, Claire Farrington at Butler, Northern New South Wales product, but played a season with Brisbane Raw. They're right on the cusp. It could go either way for them. Um, we'll definitely have to wait till tomorrow morning to see if they make it. Um, they're one of those teams that didn't have any of those quality wins. So they had a great RPI, 34th, but they finished third in their conference. There's probably four teams in their conference that have better records than them. And the committee doesn't like stacking with too many teams from one league unless they absolutely have to. And there's a lot of teams around them from other leagues. Um, I would pick them, but they also have an Aussie. So (laughs) uh, that might be my bias. Uh, So they're really one that could make it. And Claire, I would love to see Claire get a chance at the top on the national stage because she's been really good for Butler all season. Um, she's been a starter in most games. Occasionally there's a tactical switch and she doesn't start, but for the most part, she's been there in the starting lineup. And I guess the final one who are the most unlikely, but we may as well throw them in because there's still a chance is Oregon. So they have Lara Kirkby, the former Adelaide United midfielder and their assistant coach is one cap Matilda, Rachel Doyle, former Central Coast Mariners defender and played her college football at Washington State. Um, and she moved into the coaching coaching gig and now she's an assistant coach at a very, very big school, which is on the rise. But they looked in. Everyone and their mother thought they were in. And then they picked up only one point in their last three games. They Ooh. lost two on the road and then had a draw against Oregon state their local rivals just 40 minutes up the road and their strength of record has just collapsed and yeah it's not looking as good for them as it was two weeks ago um i don't think they'll get in but it's going to be very close um it and the announcements are tomorrow did you say tomorrow it's at 4 30 p.m eastern time u.s which I'm not sure. I think that's probably early morning for us around okay. 7.30. But um, yeah, they say 4.30, but like anything with American sports, it never starts on time. <laughs> well, uh, if any of our listeners are interested in that, I, I'm not sure how much Beyond 90 would uh, do in that space, but we would certainly be happy to retweet what College Matildas will be doing. I will be predicated on Rocky being awake. I will, but well, I start work at 7am tomorrow, so I'll definitely be awake for it. Um, 
Yeah, so Lara, Lara, she's only a freshman. Um, she played one game. She got an assist in her first nine minutes and then hasn't played another game since. But um, Oregon run with a really small rotation. They only use four subs per game. And when you've got rolling subs, four is yep. not very many. Yep. <laughs> um, so I think we, we, we should see five teams. We'll obviously see Grand Canyon and Hofstra because they won their conferences. USC are a dead cert to get in. Stanford should be there. And then one of Butler and Oregon, I think I think we'd be hard done by if they both missed out. Okay. So the tournament starts um, this weekend and it um, finishes on December. The finals are on December 3rd is the semifinals and December 5th will be the final. Okay. That sounds pretty good. Pretty compressed. A separate question, actually, how many, and I, I'm not going to talk about all the different levels or different divisions, but are there a good number of coaches in the US college system who originate from Australia? Um, I know of, I think, seven in NCAA Division One. Um, it's not as easy to get info on. Um, not all coaches have their birthplace hometown listed, but I know we've got um, Julia Bardsey at Fairleigh Dickinson is a head coach. Craig Shaw at Texas A&M Corpus Christi is also a head coach with um, Molly Ahrens, Novocastrian, um, playing there as well. Um, let me just check because I do have a list on the website. <laughs> There you go. Well, Lockie's doing that. You guys can think about other questions uh, that you've got about the college system. Do you have a favourite? Oh. Um, I go. forgot. V- Vanessa Mann, um, UMBC head coach. She played at Nevada with uh, with Ivy Luik. Oh, cool. Yeah, same school as Ivy. Um, yeah. Um, and then we've got a few um, assistant coaches. Daniel Klintnovici um, played in, professionally in Europe. And also in college, he's associate head coach at Villanova. I mentioned Rachel Doyle. Um, Aaron McGuinness is an assistant coach at VCU where former Northern Tigers defender Greta Krishula is playing. And then Anastasia Price, who when she played college was Anastasia McCleary, is also an assistant coach. So she played in college and stayed over there and became a graduate assistant and then an assistant coach. Okay, very good. that's, Uh, That's seven. Questions, Madge, Eric, any extra questions? I think he's covered everything, but uh, just to clarify, the national championships, it's just um, one game straight knockout, isn't it? Yes, straight knockout. 64 teams, you win six games, you lift the trophy. Yep, and then is it all played in the one place or? So, no, just it's mostly hosted. Okay. And then uh, the finals are in... Santa Clara. They were meant to be at San Jose's MLS Stadium, but uh, got moved to University of uh, to move to Santa Clara University. Oh, so that's the final four. Yeah, yep. oh, it's called the co- yeah called the College Cup for ah, soccer. Yeah, yep. 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 I'll be hoping that they've got a really good gym, not like the um the basketball. Oh. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Less yep. less said about that, the better. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for that, Lockie. You're more than welcome to stick around as we talk about more football from around the world. And in fact, I hope you do because you might be able to shed some light on some of uh, some of the players who we don't have tabs on at the moment. Uh, Rachel Lowe was one that you mentioned where she's playing at the moment. Beatty Goad is another one that springs to mind who was playing for SV Meppen. I'm not sure if she's still playing there. She's but anyway. moved to Tenerife. Tenerife. Yeah, that's right. She has. Tenerife, yes. Ah, that right. island lifestyle. Yes. We'll have to update our website a little bit and add those players in there as well. All right. News from around oh, the world. Sorry, and sure. this Rachel is- Lowe signed for Sydney FC and played ah. in New South Wales this year with Sydney University. So she, she hasn't gone far. She's going. Yeah. And it's interesting. Some players that you almost think would go to another level are currently here which is good because it's a great league but you also wonder whether or not they're working through their player agents to try and find another gig to go off and play somewhere 
Let's talk about the UEFA Women's Champions League, which has not been played this week, but it's coming up during the week. So I wanted to just take a moment to give everyone a heads up of what's happening. So 4.45 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time, we'll see Tessa Tamplin play against Sam Kerr. That is if Tessa gets on, on the on the park. And interestingly, with the Matildas, they haven't had as much game time recently. I think they've been managing the loads for the players in between those FIFA windows as well. But so Servette will be playing Chelsea Wednesday morning, Thursday morning. There's a couple of um, Aussies who will be playing 4.45 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. HB Coog, is that halfway close to, anyway, are going to play up, pardon me? It's decent enough, I think. I need uh, uh, I need Stefan to jump on. Uh, we'll be up against Arsenal at 7am. There's two matches. The first was is Lyon, so Ellie Carpenter will be playing against Bayern Munich. And then another game at 7am will be Benfica. Again, don't know whether or not I'm saying that right, against Haken, which is where we hopefully get to see a little bit from Dylan Holmes. So some big matches coming up, and you can see all of those on the Dazen uh, YouTube network for free, great quality, definitely worth a watch there, and nice to not have to pay for yet another uh, service provider to watch some football. Let's go further around the world. In Japan, we see that um, Alex Chidiak's team had a 1-0 victory against Albiric's Niigata Ladies. So that puts them in fifth place on the standings at the moment, which is better. They've been sort of heading down a little bit, so it's good to see them moving up to fifth position, but plenty of good competition in that league. In the UK, I actually didn't see any of the matches, and I might – I wonder, Madge, did you see some of those matches, and would you like to talk us through? I had a quick look at a a few of – I I think I watched the – the Arsenal West Ham mini match, um, yeah, and like the the, the old Maca Arnold, um, I I think she does really well when she's being peppered. Uh, peppered she does, in. yes. Yeah, it's like, but you kind of wonder, it's like, is 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 that part of the issue when she has to play for the Matildas and maybe we've got really good possession and it's it's that that one moment when you've got to make that one save because she had some absolute cracking saves because um, Arsenal were absolutely dominant especially in that in the first I was watching the mini match and was like I think we were 30 minutes in and it was just basically Arsenal peppering um peppering the goal so um and she also well, they did win four nil so they got a few through um, through Macca. <laughs> yeah but I think good good news for Macca as well is that she missed the games in Australia against Brazil because she tested positive for COVID so if this um shows some good form for her hopefully she'll come back to Australia and get some time against the US you it would was hope. an awesome save against Caitlin Ford Caitlin Ford had a um a header that was you know for all money in and um and Maka had a fantastic that was one of her fantastic saves. Um and I had a quick look at the um the highlights of the Aston Villa Chelsea game. And again, I mean Chelsea were just dominant there. And uh um I think Tamika put in a couple of really good crosses though for um for for Aston uh, so not for Aston sorry that's back to the West Ham game. Yeah, yeah. Um Tamika was always had- confusing yeah <laughs> like I always get confused with the the yeah. blue and the I'm like was there a transfer? <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, Chelsea. I can't remember what happened in that game. Oh, gee, was Sammy. Sammy that only people? got a couple of minutes off the bench. Oh, twenty minutes. She... About twenty minutes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, I didn't really catch anything else though. And I think okay. yeah, I think Alana and Haley may have. Did they come on at the no, very? No, they did not. They were unused subs against Leicester. Yep. Yeah. Same so with Emily Gilnick was an unused. Um, was I'm not even sure if she was no. on the team sheet. No, she She's wasn't. Had that turf toe completely out so yeah i could talk about the rest if you want because i just have the time okay so firstly back to the arsenal west ham game my favorite bit was arsenal were three nil up and then they uh Jonas idovel summons viviana medema from the bench that's just mean that's bullying it was like um (laughs) Jonas was holding west ham and saying don't hit yourself don't hit yourself so um also yeah villa i think also the other thing about uh villa and chelsea ben gilby wrote a very good article not just about the game but about the away fan experience in england which is up on our website now and i highly recommend reading it uh what else was there so uh commiserations to dale roots everton lost one nil to brighton a goal just after the hour mark from aylin whelan and uh one for the keepers union as brighton keeper megan walsh uh, received a booking for a foul outside a penalty area which is like 
That's something I like seeing. Any Anyone else surprised that Brighton's fourth on the table? I, Is that just me? It's a little bit of a surprise. I think, well, we'll get to Man City's lack of form in a minute, but yeah. obviously like- Okay, Keep, yep. Yeah, and yeah, there's been a bit of chat about Man United uh, not always doing the best. And I think that's offered an opportunity for a team uh, one of the so-called small teams, which Brighton has taken so far, credit to them. And on to Man United. Um, so firstly, for uh, they, Man United drew one all with Tottenham. Good to see Kai Simon back for Tottenham. She played 81 minutes. Now for Man United, former University of North Carolina star Alessia Russo scored a brilliant goal in first half stoppage time. Uh, B2 defenders and just lashed it into the top corner. But then uh, New Zealand's Rhea Percival scored the equaliser four minute, like in the 94th minute, a long range free kick from near the halfway line, which went all the way in. It also had one of my one of my other favorite things, a keeper going up for a set piece. So then uh, on to uh, Birmingham versus Reading. Pretty easy for Reading. They won 3-0. Birmingham, unfortunately for them, still winless. Uh, Melbourne victory legend Natasha Dowie opened the scoring for Reading from several centimeters out. Just They all count. And Deanne Rose scored twice. Also, shout out to the world's largest woman, Reading, Reading's Belgian midfielder, Justine Van Havermaet, who, if you could, if you have seen the celebrations, literally head and shoulders above her teammates. Uh, down to Man City. Uh, Man City played Leicester in Leicester. They conceded the first, they conceded first in the second minute when they just decided to give the ball to Jess Sigsworth in front of their goal. But then uh, four really good strikes for them to get the points. Uh, goals from Caroline Weir, Oh, I'm trying to remember. Kira Walsh, Lauren Hemp, and Laura Coombs. And Man City advancing up the table slowly. But yeah, as I think as I said earlier, Alana Kennedy and Haley Rasso, unused subs for that one. And I think just more. They're making on, just it hard for themselves, aren't they? Yeah, it's, it's, they're not playing and the team is underperforming, I think we could all agree on. And that's a bit, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. Oh, and just to cover, I did just to cover the Aussies in the Arsenal West Ham game. We met covered Maka. She and Tamiki are played full games. Caitlin Ford got an hour. Steph Catley got 15 minutes off the bench. And unfortunately, Lydia Williams and unused substitute. Okay. Good wrap. Thank you very much for that. Let's um, give give a little wave to Stefan as he's joined the, the podcast, but we'll keep going through Love some the of shirt, the Stephen. rest of the... Thank you. Um, just, just quickly, so... Justine Van Havermaet was a teammate of Carly Rossbacken. Over at Lilstrom. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Bringing him in for the big bucks, the special commentary. Thanks, Stefan. Uh, all right. So in the Scottish Women's Premier League, there's still two Aussies playing there. Ifa Colville's <laughs> Glasgow City were 3-0 victors over Hibernian. They're currently sitting second on the table, which for me is a little bit unusual. I'm quite used to seeing them top of the table. And then the match between the Rangers, who are top of the table, and Celtic with Jacinta Galabatarachichi. Uh, the Rangers ran out 1-0 victors over them as well so they solidify their place in first position in Europe in France there were no matches this week but you can catch up on the coverage of the last week on our um, on our Beyond 90 website if you just go to the D1F section under Aussies Abroad in Italy in the Serie A we have Ivy Lewick played for Pomigliano against Sassulio they went down 4-2 and then SS Lazio with LMS Antonio with three, four um, losers against Napoli. Uh, so it's really a bit of a struggle for them there, but ah, good to keep playing football. And then finally, before I throw to Stefan, we had in the Netherlands, uh, Amy Harrison's PSV were um, beaten solidly by Ajax 5-1. So getting a bit tough for them at the moment, but usually pretty competitive. Stefan, all yours and your nice top. Better give yourself a shout out. <laughs> Thank you. It's the uh, the Leeds away away shirt for this season. Um, or awesome. last last awesome. season, yes. Thank you, Eric. Yep. You could go to um, a Western United game wearing that. You could. <laughs> <laughs> good. <laughs> uh, I hope you're all well. I've I've had a really good day. I've got my Matildas tickets, so I hope everyone else has as well who's going. And um, I've also managed to have a really good chat with Lauren Keir from Cambria United this week. So uh, it's been a really good week, and I'm looking forward to getting a story out for. Um, for all the Camp United fans out there. And there's one or two. And there's one or two in this group as well. But anyway, um, moving on to the Nordic scene. Um, it was the second last round in Norway um, this this week, last this last weekend, uh, round 17 of 18. Um, and Kalia Rosbakken sat on the bench 
for LSK Kavina as the only active uh, Aussie player in the league at the moment. And they were favoured to beat uh, eighth place Lynn Lightning away, and they did so winning uh, 2-1 in pretty dark conditions. The second half was uh, was really quite something as far as uh, the amount of darkness that came over the pitch while the game was being played. Uh, and as I said, Carly didn't get onto the uh, onto the park, but um, the, that win has guaranteed them third place for the um, for the season, and they've therefore taken out what they call the bronze medal. They they work in terms of gold, silver, and bronze, uh, which is how they like have their awards uh, over across Europe, pretty much. So you'll notice over in Sweden, for example, which I'll mention in a moment, they're all wearing gold hats when they celebrate the championship. So. Yeah, Carly and her team have taken out the bronze. So well done for a, a group that's, um, from what I uh, heard yesterday, has been um, had a much smaller budget compared to every other team in the top four for their top series. So well done to uh, to Carly and her team. Um, over in Sweden, yes, it was the final round, and it's been a great been a great year in the Swedish league and the Demal Svenskan. Um, every Aussie who played in that league found their way into a, into a Matilda squad at some point this year. So um, just goes to show that, you know, making that sort of move can really pay off. So you, you get a great life experience. You have to be a bit brave, of course, to get out there and, and put yourself out there. But um, everyone who went out there uh, had a look in, uh, in Matilda. So, yeah, look, it was a really good, uh, really good thing to do by the looks of it, but on, on that basis. So just starting with uh, Rosengard, so where Charlie Grant and Tegan Micah are, they won 2-0 away to ninth place Year Gardens, and Charlie played the last 13 minutes, and Tegan was on the bench for that one. She's been on the bench for the last two. How's Tegan going, given that the Matildas matches are coming up? And, and I say soon, but I know it's not that soon, but I count differently when it comes to football. Um, is she getting... Is, is she okay? Is she improving from where she was in terms of the injury? She hasn't had much game time in the last, last couple of weeks. So um, I think they're managing her load as well from what, what you were saying, um, they, some of the other Matildas. They'd already wrapped up the title, though, yeah. in the game where she got injured. So they don't, you know, they don't have to have her out there every yeah. game. Yeah, Probably a good, uh, a good opportunity to play, uh, to play Angela McCuser, I think her name is, um, in, in goals. So... Yeah, um, but she was prominent in the celebrations, so it was really nice to see um, them both with the gold hats on and uh, having a great time at the end. So um, over at um, Hecken, BK Hecken, where Dylan Holmes is, they lost 3-2 away to Eskils Tuna United, who is also third in the league. Um, Dylan played the last 17 minutes of that game, and their season isn't done. They've got um, I think you mentioned before, Cheryl, some of the cha- the Champions League games coming up. They've got four games in the Champions League between now and the end of the year. So they've still got some work to do there. And uh, again, another huge experience um, playing in those games for, for Dylan if she gets on the park for those. And she's what been kind on- of match payments do they get for those? Jeez, I asked some weird questions along the way, but yeah. Do. I couldn't help you with that. Sorry, I've no <laughs> idea. But it's a, one hell of an experience, wouldn't it? It's yep. uh, incredible. Yeah. Um, over to Vizio, where Polks is. Polks had another scored another goal. She scored um, the team's second goal in a huge 8-2 home win over eighth place to Rebro. And Rebro, if you remember from what I said last week, were the team that jumped over about three spots into fifth, and now they're back into eighth. So that's how close that, um, that middle part of the table was uh, towards the end. So it was a glanced header off a corner. So she was, again, very excited and did the... Uh, the Polk celebration that we know so well. Um, and they will be probably ruining, uh, although they finished fifth, which is, a, you know, a very, very creditable result. They will be ruining that loss last week against 10th place to AIK because if, the, if they had won that, they would have got third place and would be in the Champions League in that third spot. They ended up with a uh, nine-goal positive goal difference. So a uh, bit of a shame they didn't quite squeak it. Um, for that third spot, but nonetheless, a really good season. And I think um, Claire Polkinghorne's really, really happy with the club there, obviously having signed on for, a, you know, another another season. So um, it's good to see. Um, Elise Keller Knights, Hammerby, they defeated um, Winnie, um, Winnie Hitley's team 
2-0 away. And KK still recovering, didn't get on the park. But when he got on to the field uh, towards the end of the first half and ended up playing 51 minutes, which is nice because she hasn't seen much game time lately. Um, but nonetheless, her team in finishing last was automatically relegated so from, from the league. Um, so that wraps up Sweden. So we'll be talking no more about Sweden anymore. So it's been um, 22 rounds of pure Aussie bliss, I have to say, <laughs> over there. Finally, over in Denmark, they played round 12 of 14. So not long to go there either. Um, Fortuna Hearing, they, they won 2-1 at home against fourth place Ty Thisted. Um, Claire, Angie, Claire Wheeler, Angie Beard and Indy Page Riley, India Page Riley all, um, all started in the game. Indy ended up playing all but five minutes. And this game, game was marked by the club handing out a free beer to everyone who, who walked in. So one beverage of your choice. So that's, that's very Aussie, I have to say. It's a really good thing to do. Haley's marketing need to get onto that. Yeah, it should be more of it, I have to say. Uh, Claire Wheeler ended up with a yellow card, and uh, I wondered if uh, free beer was responsible for that, but I, uh, I somehow doubt it. Um, Alex Wynn was an unused substitute in that game, so good to see them playing well and winning in that, in that game. Um, and finally, Jenna McCormick's team, AGF, lost 1-4 or 4-1 at home against uh, third-place Brunby. Uh, Jenna played a full game, but um, the occupational hazard of a defender, sometimes you, uh, you knock a goal into, the, into your own net, and unfortunately that happened in this game. Um, so with that loss, the team is seventh and are now destined for relegation playoffs. So like, I know they've got a couple of games left, but uh, they won't be avoiding that those playoffs, unfortunately. And that's the Nordic wrap. Thank you. Oh, very good. Sorry, I turned off my video for a moment just as the um, I've got the the puppies in the room with me, which is always a bit of a risk on a, a live podcast, but never mind. All right, in the USA, they've finished their regular season and that means for Emily Van Egmond that Orlando Pride are, are not doing anything else. They haven't made it into the finals. Did anyone watch the game? I think was there a match this morning? There was. Anyone? Anyone? I'm not happy with the result, but anyway. Did you want to talk about it or is it too well, painful right now? Well, it's just um, uh, Washington Spirit beat North Carolina Courage 1-0 with a goal in the 113th minute. I believe it's from former Melbourne City player Ashley Hatch, but yes. Ah, interesting when Ashley Hatch was here and she was touted to be quite a, a big player, like it would have a really impactful season and I don't really think that she did but great to see that she's been able to step out of that and probably just feeling more at home where she's playing at the moment all right interestingly uh, just on Ashley Hatch you might say she hasn't had an impact she's had an impact on my life so 2017 2016 um, so NWSL championship 2017 she was playing for the team I supported North Carolina Courage I was there they lost Played for Melbourne City against Sydney FC, W League Grand Final. Obviously, I'm a Sydney fan. She lost. Now, she's playing for Washington Spirit. Scores a goal in the 113th minute to beat my team again. Oh, Lockie is dirty have... on Ashley Hatch. No, I'm not dirty it. on Ashley Hatch. She just happens to be... Whatever, she's, whatever team she's on delivers me the wrong result. Oh, very Pure coincidence. It's you funny because to- I actually was a huge fan and still am a fan of, I was a huge fan of Ashley Hatch when she played in college because her games were very accessible and she was a very good player. So I got to watch her a lot. It'll be interesting to see who this, this season we will get from um, international NWSL teams now that they're sort of wrapping up the season, uh, you know, with the COVID um situation that we're in right now where lots of vaccinations have been done borders are being reopened we've already had some players have been signed but I wonder if in the next couple of weeks we might see some more signings coming through all right let's talk about our queens of the week and I think Eric should get to kick off because he's had his queen of the week in there for at least the last six days yes uh thanks Cheryl I I got in early um one thing and appropriate um with Lockie and his uh, wonderful knowledge of college soccer on this week that I picked someone who's 
uh, received an honour from a university. So Chelsea defender Millie Bright received an honorary doctorate from Sheffield Hallam University for her contributions to football in the past week. And not long after, Kim Little from Arsenal was um, awarded with an honorary doctorate by the University of Hertfordshire for similar reasons. Oh, by the way, Kim Little uh, got to 50 WSL goals um, overnight with um, a double against West Ham. So good on her. And now I'll steal this idea of social media. I can't remember who. Now, uh, Fran Kirby has an honorary doctor of science from the University of Winchester for on and off field achievements, but specifically work supporting mental health and well-being. And so it was pointed out that with um, with Millie Bright and Dr. Kirby, Chelsea have as many doctors as Manchester City have FAWSL wins this season. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, my queen of the week, Uh, Millie Bright. So. Uh, a great defender, a doctor, and a sick forearm tattoo. What's not like? What's not to like? Oh, very good. All right, Madge, we haven't got one written down for you at the moment, but have you got a queen, multiple queens, kings, jokers of the week to share with us? I've got one. She was mentioned before, so I thought it was going to be, you know, uh, spoiled again. Um, but I thought I'd go with BD Goad. So she scored a goal for um, for Tenerife. And I think it was her first goal um, for her new team. So yeah, it was great to see her get on the uh, on the scoreboard against Sporting Duelva. Oh, very good. All right, we'll have to add that to the show notes. I'll read out Dale's one. Dale's not here with us tonight, but he's very gladly shared something with us. So Tottenham's Rhea Percival scored a 94th minute equaliser to salvage a point against Man U. She's the first Kiwi to score an FAWSL goal since Katie Roods netted for Bristol City against Everton in December 2018. So congratulations to Rhea. Um, I have been able to grab a picture of Rhea for our um pod post and then i've got one as well for millie bright but stefan you've thrown a spanner in the works because i could not find one for you there is a uh, beautiful uh, picture on our post actually cheryl so i don't know who found that one but uh was that you eric oh yeah it's um me i just uh i was trying to find the beer three beer post and fortuna hearing instagram and i got there so yeah did very well so so we, we're all covered there cheryl so Yes, I just wanted to acknowledge um, Fortuna Curing as Queens of the Week for me. Um, not not just for the whole free beer thing, which is which is outstanding, um, but also for the way they've you know embraced the whole the whole Aussie side of things. Got a bunch of Aussies in the squad, allowed some Aussies to train on um, just before the uh, the recent series against Brazil, and um, you know they've been really really good to to us as a as a as a um, you know, players who are seeking to go overseas from a long time, many years since since um, since Alison Foreman and uh, since, since beyond. So, um, so yeah, just wanted to acknowledge them, but I also wanted to give a shout out to Samantha Ems, who was Wagga City's um, MPL Capital Football goalkeeper the last season, and she made the Young Matildas uh, training camp, and she's just joined Tuggeranong United for the next season. So. Very impressive keeper and a huge signing for Tuggeranong. So well done. Well done, Sam. Good on you, Stefan. That's good. And great job with your wraps. We'll definitely, well, I'll definitely miss the um, Swedish wraps as well, but we'll keep you around, obviously, to talk about the rest of them. And then we'll have to give you another job. Well, the W League, the dub, the ALW is starting up again soon. But we need to um, probably look to Lockie to see if he's done any homework and he's got a Queen of the Week or something of the week for us as well. I've got a couple of Queens of the Week and a couple of errors I made I have to clear up. So um, my Queens of the Week, uh, I've got three. So three so far. Um, (laughs) Well, Eliza Amendolia at University of Hawaii, former Western Sydney Wanderer, uh, picked up a all big west conference second team nomination to go with her all big west first team nomination that she got last season so uh she's going to need a bit of extra luggage when she comes home for all the awards she's got and uh madison mccomiskey at the university of the incarnate word who unfortunately lost their conference championship uh today but she picked up a all southland conference third team nomination and she's also picked up a few Player of the Week awards as well throughout the year. So there's two. And my third is University of Missouri St. Louis striker Candace Parziani from Queensland. She's um, She had a 
glittering junior college career and uh, has had a few injury niggles since she made the step up to NCAA Division II level. But this weekend, she slotted the winning penalty for them in their conference semifinal. So they'll um, be looking to win the title on their next game and get into the NCAA Division II tournament. And as far as my errors, um, Julia Barzi is no longer coaching at Fairleigh Dickinson. She is now the head coach at St. Peter's University. And Vanessa Mann and Ivy Luik were one year away from being together. So they were both at Nevada, but Ivy left in 2006, whereas Ness joined in 2007. Oh, Lockie corrects himself for stuff that no one else would know apart from Lockie, but good on you. We need to make sure that we have very high standards of credibility and making sure that we get things right. All right, my Queen of the Week to wrap up the podcast, I, I have to give a shout out to my wife, Emily Mojic, who... We just celebrated our tenth wedding anniversary, and it's not just um, it's not just a relationship based thing. But Emily was the one who actually got me into football in the first place. She was one of the the first women photographers out there taking photos of the Matildas. Her first match was against New Zealand in Wollongong, I think it was. So yeah, one of the yet another match that was played in New South Wales. But anyway, so shout out to my wife. Happy 10 years to to us. Um, it's been a great week. It's been a great week in football. Love to thank you all for joining us on the podcast and talking about football. Thanks everyone who listens to us. Uh, give us a shout out, give us a review, give us some feedback of what you like, what you don't like. Pretty soon we'll be talking about the dub and starting to get some of those team previews out. And, yeah, hopefully more and more players are being signed. But on behalf of all of the team who present to you, I'd like to thank you and talk to you again soon. Bye.